Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us today on the What Now, What Next podcast series. Today, our topic is helping universities manage COVID-19 disruption, and we're so pleased to welcome Alan Sheldon, a managing director here at KPMG, and Bill Kassler, chief medical officer for IBM Watson Health. Together, Alan and Bill lead a partnership that uses IBM Watson technology coupled together with KPMG risk operational knowledge. And they do that in order to help higher education learning institutions navigate a COVID-19 response that safeguards students, faculty, and staff, while also ensuring a quality educational experience. Alan and Bill, welcome. Would the two of you do us the favor of introducing yourselves to our listeners today? Thanks very much, Stacey. Uh, My name is Alan Sheldon, and I'm a managing director with KPMG, and I lead a program called Restarting America. That program is our response and procedures to safely returning to physical locations, including college campuses. I've talked to over 200 client organizations in the last six months across a variety of industries that we serve, and I can say without a doubt that higher education is by far the most complicated environment from which to navigate the pandemic. Higher education, as we all know, is truly the industry of industries, and that creates complexities in and of itself. However, it's also the only environment merging two populations with very different demographics and desires. On the one hand, you have the 18 to 22-year-old group who have an ingrained desire to be together and socialize, and if they were to contract the virus, the statistics predict simply flu-like symptoms with a fast recovery. That group, though, is merged with the opposite end of the spectrum, faculty, staff, and university employees. That group better understands the need for simple measures like social distancing and masks, but the statistics also show a very different outcome when they contract the virus. So the merging of these two populations in an already complicated environment poses really immense challenges for university administrators, and I'm looking forward to discussing that today. Thank you, Stacy, and it's a pleasure to join you and Alan today, socially distanced, of course. I'm Bill Kessler and I serve as Chief Medical Officer for Government Health and Human Services at IBM Watson Health. I'm a primary care physician and a public health physician as well. I started my career as an infectious disease epidemiologist at CDC, which does come in handy these days. I work at Watson Health with our Watson Work team to use technology, data, and analytics to help our clients reopen, returning to work and campus while doing their best to prevent and contain the spread of COVID. Alan, as you alluded to in your introduction, colleges and universities face unusual challenges these days. And because of the differences between institutions, there really isn't a one-size-fits-all solution. But there are a number of basic considerations that everyone must address. Focusing on the important educational and research mission has to be key. Tending to student health and employee health as well, which includes mental health. Facilities management from access and distancing to ventilation and sanitation and dealing with sports and other cultural events. In many ways, taking on some of the core functions of public health. And I know we're going to get into these in much more depth. Thank you. We're so glad to have you both with us here today. Let's go ahead and jump into our topic. According to the Chronicle of Higher Education, out of nearly 3,000 colleges, you roughly have a third that are fully online, a third that are fully in person, and a third that are undetermined. Obviously, planning and considering coordinated actions 
is this Herculean task. So can the two of you talk to our listeners about some of the outcomes you're seeing so far and what you're anticipating for next semester? Alan, let's start with you. Certainly. So Stacy, in speaking with many universities across the country, on the one end of the spectrum, the smaller, more self-contained, often rural campuses that have the ability to create their own bubble and return to a primarily in-person curriculum. And they've done that pretty successfully. Those campuses typically do a two-week quarantine at the start of the term, and then they very closely monitor people leaving the campus and anyone arriving on campus. They have then had testing and tracing programs to reinforce the protocols that they've put in place. On the other end of the spectrum are the urban campuses or universities with a large commuter population where it's next to impossible to contain the entry and exit points of their campus. Most of these institutions have actually opted for a primarily online program. Then, of course, you have the hybrid model where more lab-based programs are done in person with lecture-based programs remaining online and the location of students in those situations are kind of split based on, on which students require more in-person programming versus which ones are able to do their education online primarily. Alan, you know, I find that very interesting. I think that reinforces this idea that universities are not islands, but they exist within a larger community and that they're both impacted by that community and then they impact that community, particularly in infectious disease and, and in this pandemic. Bill, I'd like to stay with you for just a moment. I would imagine that most universities have a juggling act that they're doing in order to balance the short-term challenges of COVID with the longer-term impacts. You have degrees in both medicine and public health, so could you address these impacts from that perspective for our listeners? Absolutely. So whether they realize it or not, even before the pandemic, colleges and universities were in the health business. Universities bring together large populations of young adults in congregate living environments and play a huge role in their health. And as large employers, they are responsible for the health of the faculty and staff. And then they impact the broader health of the communities in which they're located. So in the pandemic, universities are now being called upon to really assume a public health role, a more explicit public health role. And part of the reason for that is that government public health agencies are just frankly overwhelmed. And those public health roles include encouraging and enforcing behaviors, focusing on industrial hygiene within their facilities, redesigning schedules and workflow and building access along public health principles to uh, support social distancing. And then classic outbreak management activities, such as contact tracing, testing, and when available, vaccinations. So with that said, going kind of back to your question about long and short-term impact, one way that I look at this is through the three phases of an emergency response, planning, response, and recovery. Well, it's too late for planning now. We're in the middle of an acute response. But it's not too early to think about recovery and emerging stronger. What are the lessons that we're learning now? How do we apply those lessons to planning for future response? You know, the pandemic has really exposed some structural weaknesses within how we work with medical surge and supply chain. And it's highlighted the disparate impact on disadvantaged neighborhoods and in the minority community. So I think that there is an opportunity as we think about planning and recovery to reinvent the future. 
And it's all about resiliency, uh, our ability to bounce back. Bill, I'm finding myself nodding in agreement with you as you talk about the need for universities to take an explicit public health role for students, staff, and faculty in the broader communities where they're located, and the resiliency that is needed to reinvent the future. There's such a valuable perspective in what you've offered. Alan, let's loop you into the conversation as well. So Bill has provided an overview of the public health side of things, but in previous conversations I've had with you two, one of the things that surfaced is that pandemic responses cannot be either or, they have to be both and. And so with that in mind, how are you seeing universities balancing the economic reality of what's happening? First and foremost, though, all higher education institutions should really be commended for their ability to quickly adapt last spring. With very few exceptions, we saw campuses across the country exercise great agility in closing campuses mid-stride and finishing the school year all online. That was really a Herculean effort. Over the summer, though, universities created online curriculums with pretty impressive speed and innovation. Then moving into the fall, students and families have generally been understanding with whichever model a university has chosen based on what we discussed previously, knowing that everyone is in a situation where it's impossible to please all stakeholders. That understanding will likely carry into the spring season as planning right now is taking place for that semester, especially as vaccines become available. The real unknown, though, is next year. Most universities by that time will have exhausted contingency operating funds and really can't afford the current disconnect between a traditional economic model with an untraditional delivery model. This is especially true of universities with heavy football and basketball and other sports programs. So we expect to see in the next several months intensive planning efforts to either right-size the economic model or find more creative ways of returning to a traditional delivery model. All of that happening while we have kind of an ever-changing landscape still on both testing capability, tracing capability, and of course, an unknown about when the vaccine will become available. Tying the data between testing, tracing, and ultimately vaccine distribution in, in meaningful ways will also be an important part of, of that planning for the long term. I absolutely agree. I'd also like to note that we often see the economic issues framed in the media and in public discourse as a debate. It's reopening the economy versus safety and health. And I think that that's a false dichotomy between health and finance. As you said, Stacey, it's not an either or, it's not one against another, but it has to be a balance. And in fact, from a health perspective, there's a huge negative impact on health from shutting down. We're seeing people delay important health care, unemployment, furloughs, and layoffs impact people's lives. And in fact, unemployment in itself is bad for people's health. So if we acknowledge the role of universities as important economic engines within their community, opening up is in fact a key strategy for maintaining community health, both economic, physical, and mental. The great strength and value of this alliance or this partnership is that we're merging the technology with a deep understanding of how higher education institutions operate and the challenges they're facing, right? It's, it's one thing to kind of read the news, but you really need to understand the challenges that they're facing in order to best leverage the technology that IBM brings to the table. And, you know, the, the strength of IBM Watson with kind of the know-how of KPMG brings together a really powerful alliance that universities should take advantage of. 
one of the things we hear a lot about is a testing strategy. The two of you bring such specific insights to the table that help form this overarching comprehensive perspective. So Bill, again, let's start with you. What are your thoughts here? In addition to a robust screening testing strategy, good epidemiologic modeling out there needs to inform who to test and how often to test given specific on-campus characteristics. Best practices would also call for surveillance testing guided to detect hidden clusters and emerging patterns of spread on campus, potentially after events. We're also seeing very innovative strategies emerging to the use of testing and some form of digital health pass that are tied to mobile devices and allow access to large gatherings like sports and cultural events to keep the spread limited. So we also need a robust contact tracing capability on campus to deal with all those positive tests with the ability to isolate students who are sick and quarantine those who are exposed. And of course, in order to effectively establish that isolation and quarantine capacity, the university needs to assure students that they have their basic needs met, be it food or laundry or trash or access to remote learning. Because during an outbreak, those surge in needs tend to overwhelm the capacity of the normal system to deal with it. And in this situation, technology can not only help, but is essential to deal with that surge at scale. And that's where technology can really support the human endeavor. Especially, Bill, when it comes to transparency and communication, because we're dealing with a population that, generally speaking, is pretty healthy. And when they contract the virus and in some cases, the only way that they'll know they've contracted the virus is through testing. And so trying to convince them that while they don't have symptoms, they are still a transmitter of the virus and the need for quarantining is severe. Again, back to transparency and communication, those I think are critical success factors and the technology can help scale that component as well. I couldn't agree more around transparency and communication. We're dealing oftentimes with kids who are newly away from home, who are worried. The university is, in many respects, serving as in loco parentis. And that communication is just key, both to reducing stress and anxiety, as well as to helping students adhere to social distancing and best practices. I'll tell one quick anecdote. A client of ours went through a whole effort to create a health pass, red, green, yellow, based upon symptom screening and exposure, with huge messages every day if you have a red pass, don't go to class. If you're sick, call student health service. If you're not, stay at home for a couple of days and call back. And sure enough, on the first day, a young girl had her red pass with clear instructions what to do. She called the professor and said, I've got a red pass. What should I do about class? She said, I'll just come to class anyway. Transparency and communication and consistency are so important. And centralizing all of that into a new position like discussed under the kind of the auspices of a COVID command center, and you can call it whatever you want, but that type of rigor and discipline to instill the programmatic and governance procedures, which are necessary for an entire program like this, especially across the different industries within a campus, if you will, I think become really critical as well. Let's talk for a moment about the complexities of university systems. Alan, as we began our conversation, you spoke about the 
complexities of university campuses, and I'm sure our listeners are flashing back in their minds to their times in college and just nodding along. Part of that complexity you shared stems from university campuses being filled with incredibly diverse populations with diverse needs. Obviously, trying to balance both sets of needs is difficult. What insights can you share, keeping in mind that COVID rates are again on the rise and many universities are in the process of formulating a response for spring 2021? Certainly. I would suggest really three important considerations for university administrators to keep top of mind. The first is to actually have a playbook with trigger points and protocols. Think of this as contingency planning on steroids, really. You really need to think through the operating model and document what protocols you'll have in place based on different triggers. The second is transparency. Communicate the playbook so that as you institute different protocols in the ever-changing environment we're all in, there are no surprises. Everyone understands when measures are taken because you've kept them informed every step of the way. And finally, when you're open, do everything you possibly can to stay open. The disruption of shutting down the system last spring was really enormous, and returning to campus is no small feat. So to the extent possible, stick to the playbook, adjust as the various trigger points are encountered, and going back to an all-stop scenario that we experienced last spring really should be a decision of last resort. You know, I really like Alan's playbook analogy. When I think about a playbook, I naturally think about technology, data, and analytics as being a key component of that playbook. I think it's important to leverage data to make decisions um, that support people and support the operations and to use technology to support that plan. However, it's not primarily about the tech. It's about the people and the organization and the culture and the leadership to make sure that that's all seamlessly integrated. Completely agree, Bill. And, you know, one of common framework for any kind of crisis management is making sure to address people, process, and and technology. So I respect the way you downplayed the technology, but I would also suggest that while the technology may not be number one on the list, it is really important as well. It's an enabler to integrate data so that you can make real-time decisions. And the IBM Watson platform is really a great platform from which to launch the ability so that really you don't have to shut down. That kind of technology creates dashboarding capabilities, the ability to quickly ingest existing data sources, as well as new data as vaccines become a reality. And again, the ability for administrators to make real-time decisions, not only about their campus at a macro level, but parts of large campuses at a micro level become really powerful in managing this ongoing effort. Thanks, Alan. Maybe I can give you a couple examples to kind of flesh that out. I think that while technology and data and analytics can play a role in a number of things, let me highlight a few. The first is contact tracing. The idea that following testing, you identify people who are positive, isolate those who have symptoms, and quarantine preventively those who are exposed. Well, if we think about this in a small outbreak, that's very manageable at the human scale. But we think about the thousands of people, the tens of thousands of people on large campuses and large outbreaks that the scale in that is tremendous. And I think that technology can play a role in dealing with that complexity. Secondly is access to buildings and to events. 
given information on testing and maybe later immunity and vaccination, controlling that access through some sort of a health pass is another really good use case for technology. Then, as an epidemiologist, I'd be remiss if I didn't say making decisions based on epidemiology. What's the incidence and prevalence on campus within the community? Where are there outbreaks occurring? Where can you get an early warning or a situational awareness? And then lastly, one of our clients, when they brought students to campus, had 800 calls a day to student health services from the worried well. And so technologies like chatbots and other technical assistance can help manage the flow and triage from basic messages to referral for folks in need. Thank you both for those responses. Alan, your recommendation for organizations to have a playbook with trigger points and protocols provides a tactical entry point for university response. And Bill's perspective on leveraging technology along with data and analytics in service to the organization and the culture is insightful. So let's close out with a final question directed to university leaders and people tasked with helping formulate COVID responses in educational settings. Bill and Alan, what are the words that you might want to leave them with? Given the complexity that Alan and I have been talking about today, I'd urge universities to seriously consider creating a position of chief health officer or chief public health officer to be able to manage all of the disparate multidisciplinary teams from remote learning to facilities management to student health to community relations, to employee health and HR, to student affairs, and to have that position sit at the C-suite, report directly to the university's leadership. As I said earlier, technology and data and analytics and protocol and guidelines are all absolutely necessary in the playbook. But what's most important is culture change and leadership. Thank you, Bill. That's an excellent consideration. Alan, is there anything you'd like to add here? Well, in addition to the concepts of playbooks and transparency and staying open as much as possible, I would add that I completely agree with Bill's comment about adding a position, but I would take that one step further and actually create a formal command center where you can have the chief health officer that Bill mentioned lead that command center and really wrap in all of the elements of people, process, and technology so that you can really make real-time decisions having all of those pieces of data come together in, in one office. Bill and Alan, I think you provided the perfect formula for universities. Transparency, communication, and consistency combined with both the rigor and discipline needed to see this through to the end. Thank you both for joining us today. We're delighted that you were able to be here And I believe that colleges and universities are going to be able to benefit from your wisdom and expertise in this area. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for having us. Uh, Alan and Stacy. it was a pleasure to meet you. Thanks very much, Stacy, and likewise, Bill, and best of luck to our university colleagues. As we close out our time today, I want to leave our listeners with one last word. Working together, KPMG and IBM are helping universities by combining KPMG's risk and operational services with IBM's Watson Works in order to address the health and well-being of students and faculty on campus. They've developed an app to engage students and have technology to facilitate contact tracing and care coordination to support those who are affected. 
If you've liked what you've heard in this podcast segment, there's more content from Bill and Alan at ibm.biz slash ibm underscore kpmg underscore university. Thank you. Have a great day.